a parachute! Redheads! You gotta love them! Permission to come aboard? Hey guys, welcome back to the Blood and Black Rum Podcast. I'm Ryan from Coltsploitation.com, and I'm joined with my co-host Martin. How's it going? It's pretty good. We are uh, back. It's been new a year. Yeah, it's been a while. We it's didn't... a new year. Yeah, we we'll do the really annoying thing of like we haven't seen you since last year. We haven't had a new episode since last year. I mean, if we it's yeah. been a long time. If this is more like a morning shock jock show. We could have like all the annoying sounds like yeah. that, like the... beep, beep. I meant more like crickets chirping. Like oh yeah. No, we don't do the we don't do the soundboard. If uh, if anybody would donate to our Patreon, <laughs> we'd fucking buy a soundboard so we can actually play some some clips and stuff and and do little some Hans, little jangles, Han, some Hans Zimmer stings yeah, and John yeah. Carpenter. But we don't we don't have actually any money. no no actually no that'd be great because instead of like Hans Zimmer, boy, we we could do the ding you know from Halloween. Ding-ling. I like to think of our podcast as like the little. Uh, corner sandwich shop that everybody thinks like no one goes to that place. How is it still open? And they're just like barely scraping by. That's what we are as a podcast. That's everybody's like they can't still be doing that, right? Right? No, we are. We are. We're There's just, a lot we're still lo- here. A lot of local businesses. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Nothing wrong with it. We just don't have any money to buy a buy a damn. Uh, soundboard or anything like that we wouldn't know what to do with it anyway i would i feel like i'd be gene on bob's burgers and just constantly play fart noise like that's what i would do i don't know my little keyboard thing all right like anytime martin says something i don't agree with just i can just i can do it myself i don't i don't don't need a soundboard i'll just do it with my voice i don't think you should be you know in control of that yeah (laughs) too much power no, but uh, we're yeah we're back in 2019 and obviously nothing has changed since <laughs> since we last did our our Christmas episodes. We had talked about doing a, a special episode at the end of December, you know, like continuing the Christmas episodes just a little bit. And then yeah, no, we didn't do that. We we didn't we didn't get to that one at all. Um, we first of all like bait the, and switch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, the holiday season was busy. We. Uh, there was just not a lot of time to do it. We did plan on maybe doing like an, an, an after New Year's doing one, and then we never got around to seeing Aquaman, and you know, all, all kinds of things got in the way. The holidays really got in the way, but we are back, and we're back to a two-week uh, episode schedule, so you know, no more weekly episodes. I know everybody loves when we do weekly episodes. They're like, I just can't get enough. I do. It's our reason to hang out. That's right. To keep this French tenuous friendship going. I know. And then, what if I move away? What if I move like forty minutes away? Then what will we do? We're gonna have to Skype it. Well, we'll just have to get our own shows, competing shows. <laughs> yeah. We'll like. Uh, we'll do like what uh, wasn't some. There was some band. No, actually, well, you probably wouldn't know, but Venom, the band, the black metal band, band Venom, they split off. 
and yeah, right, one, right in the wheelhouse. Yeah, one of them made the band Venom, and one of them made like a band that's some something. It's called something like Venom, but it's it's like something else. So that's poison. What we would do. Yeah, hey, exactly. no, yeah we'd, no, we'd be no, like, no, we'd right. be like that. We'd be like, I'll be like Blood and Black Rum Podcast, and you'd be like, oh, I'll be you know something similar. Like I don't know, um, Blood c- and White. C- Coming brandy, I don't yeah, know. blood and white IPAs podcast. Oh, speaking of which, uh, I did. You know, this is kind of off topic before we get into the episode, but I did watch our namesake not too long ago, Blood and Black Lace. Yeah, uh, that that was just released by VCI Entertainment on Blu-ray. That um, was on the docket. Yeah, at some point we will do that. Obviously, I don't know if I would use the VCI version or the Arrow Video Blu-ray. Both of them have their pros and cons. Um, but what the hell's, I never even heard of VCI. VCI is, yeah, it's a smaller company, really. They don't do that much, and they, they are not very well known for their good releases. Oh, well, um, why would they release, uh, well. Something that's, uh, well, I mean. Yeah, I don't if really. If the rights are cheap enough, then I well, guess, sure. so but, I don't want to, I don't want to go into it in too much detail, but basically, VCI actually has the rights to Blood and Black Lace. Arrow Video released it. Um, and they, they actually got held up by those rights. Aero video kind of messed up the Blu-ray when they released it because they released it in the wrong aspect ratio. Uh, so people were really upset about that for the Blu-ray, although their, their transfer is way better. Like it's gorgeous on the Aero video side on VCI side. They got the aspect ratio, right? But their transfer is not that great. So you mean to say I got to watch it in widescreen instead of letterbox as the filmmaker? Well, so the original is, uh, 185 to one. And the Arrow video release is 166 to 1. So you can see that this it's, it's fairly skewed. Cut. Yeah. Uh, fairly skewed in the wrong direction. And, like, sometimes, like, people's faces are half cut off in their, in their version. <laughs> okay. So so they definitely did mess that part of it up. Um, the VCI is, is correct in that regard. But their transfer is just not as good. Whereas, if, for probably for you and stuff, you're not, like, a huge, like, Blu-ray connoisseur slash no, snob. I would, so. No, I mean, I would care. Mm. I would care if the aspect ratio was fucked up. No, not not the aspect ratio. The the quality of the picture is not as good as Arrows, but it's still um, not bad. It's not bad. It's just not as good. I'm probably, I would say, eighty years ago, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have cared. But now, I probably <laughs> now would. you do. Well, because you know, yeah, it's nice. I like to look at you know my DVD collection now. Is like, oh, that's a worthless trash I got. All that money, I, you know, spent on like anime. Now yeah. it's like, yeah. Well, all of that suffice to just to say that I still really like Blood and Black Lace. It's a good thing we picked Blood and Black Rum because I still like that movie, and you'll need to see it at some point. We'll do that soon. Yeah, we'll do that soon. It's a fun movie. <laughs> and now getting away from that because that's not our that's not our show at all. That would be where you would play one of those sound effects, like you know, like uh, moving away from that because we were way off topic there. Um, our real, you see. Our show is supposed to be based off of Jallos and yeah, you know Z and B list movies and stuff like that. You know, kind of you know get the show like I do like a little bit more of the Western side, and you get to do the Jallos, and we'll do like encompassing horror. We're moving into our you know our, <laughs> our we got to get some hits territory yeah. for the past uh, that's right like two and a half years the comic book movies and there's always room for those right. Those have become a big cult film classic in the last few years. No, I'm just kidding. They're not really classics in that sense, but they are very popular. Yeah, none, so of, the D- yeah, none of the DC films are classics. No, right. <laughs> no. Yeah. 
Nope, they're not popular, but we still do them. Can they have, like, I'm just, yeah, you know how Marvel had Stan Lee until he unfortunately passed just a couple of months ago? Yeah. Can DC have Larry David? Just so any winding up in the in the background or something like just so like anytime something stupid happens, you just have him like go like shrug his shoulders and like it'll zoom in on him like 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 make it like a Where's Waldo and have it then zoom in on him and then just play like the curb theme like dum 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 you know so like when he's like in the middle of Metropolis and like Superman's about ready to kill Zod and like a building's come crashing down and like some people he's just there like uh oh oh well yeah awkwardly in the background yeah. that would be nice that would be fun. Yeah, well, we're back with another DC movie, and it's been a long time since any DC movie has really been released. The last one was Justice, uh, League. Justice League, and as you, if you remember, wasn't like, really our favorite movie. Like eight months ago. Yeah, yeah that's a long time ago. It's, it's almost surprising, because at one point we were like, oh, we're kind of burnt out, we're kind of burnt out, and now there's really not been that much of a... Well, it's the same thing with Marvel. It's been like... Every a film every three months now it's going to be like eight months between Infinity War and uh, yeah Captain Marvel Captain Marvel yeah so it's been a while since we've did a, done a DC movie well because um, they were too busy uh, filming uh, with Aquaman they were too busy filming uh, Cleopatra the seven hour you know <laughs> yeah. passion project of James Wan but uh, we are back with Aquaman and I'll start off by saying um, surprisingly Aquaman is probably my second favorite DC movie. That's been released so far. See, this is why after watching the movie and like going in, like already knowing like the reviews, like people are like, it's not that bad. But when you, what is this? Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, Suicide Squad, Wonder Woman. Just, so this is the sixth one. So the fact that like this film, they're like, guys, it's not that bad. You know what that means? The the bar has been incredibly lowered, right? And um, what people are saying for this film, yeah, it's not that bad. If this was like the first film to start this franchise, you'd be like, this is fucking pretty boring. Yeah, it would be not good. I think the the initial review saying it's not that bad um, would have been a little bit different if they had followed up Wonder Woman with Aquaman. Because Wonder Woman, once you saw it, you were like, you know what? DC didn't do that bad with this one. This one's not that bad. And then you went into Justice League and you were thinking, okay, well, Wonder Woman really wasn't that bad. Maybe they're maybe they're picking it up. Maybe they're figuring out what works and what doesn't. And they've done that with Justice League. And then you kind of get the same sort of smattering of bullshit that you got with Batman v Superman. And so you're brought back down again. It's well, like they brought, it's like the stock market well, curve yeah, right well, now. Well, because it's, you know, Zack Snyder? Fuck. Yeah. Someone else. Okay. Then Zack Snyder, fuck, and then, you know, and then someone else. Okay, so I can't remember who did um, Wonder Woman. Daddy Jenkins. But it was you know, so he went from Zack Snyder, fuck. Who to, just to Patty Jenkins? Patty, I thought you said Addy. I was like, no, huh? Patty Jenkins. Patty Jenkins. Okay, then Zack Snyder, <laughs> fuck, and then you go to James Wan. You're like, maybe Jigsaw's here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, maybe they got to- why couldn't Tobin Bell be Dolph Lundgren's character? That's true. That is very true. Why couldn't yeah, they could have snuck him in there somewhere? He could have been one of the elders or something. Hmm. Yeah, maybe he was the the king of the crab people. Yeah, and we just yeah we the didn't king, know it. The kingdom of the bride. You know, you got <laughs> Tobin yeah. Bell. I'd like to play a game with you. Um, but I do think that the whole thing with the review saying you know it's not that bad. You, in particular, were, were thinking the worst. When you say it's not that bad, you're like, okay, but this is not even going to match, like, the worst part of, like, a Marvel movie because, you know, 
even a not that bad DC film think, is still miles think of a DC film. And again, it sucks to compare and contrast. It's not always fair, but you have to. As we said, with like just about every one of these Marvel and DC reviews, at this point you're going to, and you have to. And as we've stated before, neither of us really have a choosing in the comic book side. Honestly, I, mean, I would probably take DC over Marvel. I mean, in a, in a comic book. Side. I mean, I do. I mean, I don't. I don't read the comics. Ryan reads a little bit of it. If anything, he reads more Archie comics than anything. <laughs> <laughs> you know that great, you know Salem series and all that. Um, I mean, Sabrina. But anywho, um, I would say I'm more of a DC fan. and know a lot more about the DC universe because of the video games and the cartoons that I love to death. Mm-hmm. Like I said, a thousand times in the show. Never really read the comics because the continuity just pisses me off because I'm somebody that likes to start at ground zero. And be like, kind of like with Doctor Who. I'll never start Doctor Who because it's a fucking clusterfuck mm-hmm. and, you know, mm-hmm. wouldn't be able to do it. So... That's, again, my perspective, but when it comes to the films, Marvel's got, you know, got it beat. So when you watch Aquaman, what fucking Marvel film is as tedious as Aquaman? Right. I mean... Just, I, no, seriously, just think about it. What one that would I say, you know... What What is a Marvel film that you've left and going like, that's pretty tedious. I mean, Black Panther would be probably, <laughs> like, one of the Marvel films that I really didn't enjoy that much. Well, though, lucky for you, you're getting Black Panther, the D- DC's version DC. of Black Panther, and Thor, and Indiana Jones, and Lord of the Rings combined into one Jason Mimosa. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. Um, Aquaman really does take the basic premise of Black Panther, being that there's one person who is looking to... Start a significant war with basically humanity the, the and, outsiders. And, and the, yeah, what would they consider the outsiders and becoming a the ruler in order to make that decision. This is the exact scenario. Now, to, as I say, and to be fair, uh, to be fair to Aquaman, Aquaman's been around longer than Black Panther. So the origin story of Atlantis and being the outside kingdom to humanity and the troubles that they get into with humanity. Compared to Black Panther's origin story of Wakanda, it's been around longer. But within the film universe and recent films, Black Panther's got you know beat right. to, beat it to the punch in the origin story. Right. So this whole the whole setup of Aquaman is really just the same thing as Black Panther, but instead of Aquaman being near death, he escapes you know freely, and then you add a Thor element of instead of Mjolnir, it's the truck. Who the fuck cares what that tri- <laughs> what the trident is yeah, called? Yeah, you know, because uh, it, it's not it's it's a t- you know mile long t- trident of the deep sea of Atlantean creek. Yeah, you know, basically Atlans trident is what we'll call it. Yeah, yeah, because I don't know the name of it, the special name of it. But I'm sure there's special there pitchfork. It's like special golden. It's the spe- trident it's surrounded the special, by it's, it's the special, Lord of the Rings style monster. As I say, it's the special pitchfork that gives. Uh, Albums that most people would consider to be masterpieces, mediocre reviews. That's what, you know. Yeah. But, uh... It's a long way to go for a joke, but you know what? It's true. It's true. No one was following that, but... No, I'm just kidding. Um, alright, yeah, let's take a break real quick. I don't want to go into that in too much detail, because we've already talked about, like, some of the things that we were we want to bring up while we do this Aquaman review. So we'll take a break real quick. We'll talk about the beer that we've got on, uh, for today's show. And we've actually had... I've had this beer for a while... Um, been saving it up really, <coughs> and we never got to do the show. So, um, yeah. It's, uh, by the way, it's been 
two months, I still have that cough. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is like what the fourth show that we've done, and you still have a nasty ass cough. Listen, it's it's intermittent now. Mm. Now it's just like the cold and certain now things upset like- it. That's why I'm glad when I I'm, when I finally go to the doctor, I'm like, hey, can I get some antibiotics? Obviously, this isn't a cold anymore. <laughs> it's well, Arthur's tuberculosis. Spoiler <laughs> alert. But we've got uh, we've got a new New Belgium beer on the show. I I think it's new. I've never really seen it around that much. Um, they have a winter pack that's out, and uh, I picked it up. And you know what? It's got a, a quite a few interesting styles in there. So that's really why I wanted to to grab it. And the one that we saved up for the show is the New Belgium Accumulation uh, White IPA. And that one may not, I mean, it may not like sound that interesting to you, but for us, we really got into the white IPA style a while ago, probably like five or six years ago, maybe almost, even longer than that. Almost a decade. Almost a decade. It's literally, literally uh, when we turned 21, Yeah, that New Year's was the one that brought it over for the New Year's party. And uh, Saranac used to be making a great white IPA. As far as I know, they're like the one and only that was doing it. Yep. Because... And that's why it was interesting uh, I wanted to try, uh, try this new Belgium white IPA. Um, because out of all the fucking cavalcade of stupid-ass IPAs and shit that they roll out, you know, for every IPA, the rainbow spectrum that there is and all the different fucking hops. And, you know, um, there's a fucking champagne-style IPA now with, you know, New Belgium's got a uh, brute IPA. And so is Sierra Nevada, which I had not that long ago. Um I don't ever see white IPAs. Right. And the only one I ever saw was the Saranac one before, and I really liked it. I thought it was a great idea, combining a Belgian wheat with a with an IPA. And yeah. it worked amazingly well. And for a little while, like a year and a half, it became a staple beer of theirs, and then they got rid of it. And it's never to be seen from again. And it makes me sad. <laughs> so that's why, you know, we were so interested to try the new Belgium white IPA because it's like sort of a resurgence of that style. We haven't seen it around quite a bit. Um, and new Belgium also makes a lot of like Belgian styles too. So it's combining two things that they do fairly well. Um, the Belgian style, and then also they do do a pretty good IPA and then putting them together into one combination. They are the geniuses that came up with the emperor. Yeah. Yeah. Or, the hemp, early, the or at least the only yeah. hemp IPA that I've seen. Yeah. I'm sure there's quite a, there's like a few out there, but yeah, the emperor is a really good style that they have kind of cornered the market on in, at least in our area. They're big. I mean, they're owned, I think by InBev. Yeah. Anheuser-Busch. Yeah. So, I mean, that's why over the past couple of years, they've, you know, they never, never used to be something that we see yeah, around it here. It really but, expanded outward. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, uh, with the accumulation white IPA, what did you what did you think of that? Like compared to the other white IPAs that you've had, I mean, seeing as the Saranac the only other one I've had, um, I would say it's a major letdown because it's not nearly Belgian weedy enough. Mm-hmm. Um, it re- from what and again, it's been almost eight nine years since I've last had Saranac's white IPA. So this is all going off of memory and great glasses of nostalgia to really you know. Bright in my memory of it, so, but from what I remember, I remember doing really having a very clear, noticeable, and delightful Belgian wheat, coriander, orange, and citrus taste to it, with it balanced out by being hoppy 
and crisp like an IPA. Mm-hmm. And it made for a great, like a great refreshing beer. Honestly, and it was in their winter pack. Honestly, I could see it as a great summer style. Like, a, like you know, like because I think it was heavier on the alcohol, but it is like a nice, crisp, refresh. It was a crisp, refreshing beer with a nice hop take and a nice hop balance. Worked really well. Um, this New Belgium doesn't really have any Belgian wheat or citrus or coriander or orange flavors. So from what I mean, the ga- gather is a heavy malt front and... It's balanced out by the IPA side of it being not as hoppy and present. So it's really malty, and then you get that hop bitterness a little bit afterwards. Other than that, it's really, really lackluster, to be honest with you, in the flavor profile. So I'm kind of let down, because I was really hoping for like a nice big like you know, coriander and citrus taste to go with it. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I do think, too, that the, the Belgian aspect to it is a little bit missing. It just doesn't really have that snap of the coriander and the, the Belgian white style that really you come to expect from both New Belgium, because they do have a good Belgian white, which you are actually drinking right now. Mm-hmm. And then also, you know, what a general white IPA or what what the best ones that we've had taste like, because I don't really want a beer that sort of is sort of like a weedier version of an IPA. I want the actual Belgian characteristics to come out, the coriander, the citrusy mm. flavor, the, the, the orangeness of it to uh, pair with the hoppiness of the IPA. And I don't feel that the accumulation does that as well as what we had previously. Um, it's still a good beer. The Amarillo hops in it are still re- nicely done and the malt texture is nice, but I just feel like, if you're going to make it really like a malt forward IPA, just make it a red IPA. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just feel like they missed out. Which a red, um, I say, which red IPA is really malt for really. Cause you know, that's why it's, it's color. Cause it's really heavy on the malts and the grains, you know? Yeah. Um, I just feel like they missed out on making it distinctive that this is a Belgian style IPA, a Belgian wheat IPA. I don't know. So, I just want someone to. Maybe that's something for Stump City. When they're, like the next time they're asking, like, what should we give brew, it a try? Brew next? Yeah. Tell them, you know, like, hey. white IPA. Do it. Yeah. What else did you have? Um, I didn't get to have it. Um, yeah. Um, you should talk about that. I was upset that I, well, I, I could have gone, but seeing as you're like, oh, I'm already leaving because I got stuff to do because yeah. I'm a busy adult. Yeah. You know? So, so I, I just didn't bother, though I did want to get my growler filled. But so I did check out, yeah, this, this uh, weekend, uh, some breweries had. A special um, release party for Sierra Nevada's Res- Resilience IPA. Which, by the way, side note, it's a little sidebar here. Um, I did not know they called the California wildfires that were going on for like seemed like months on end. The campfire, mm-hmm. a little tasteless. Yeah, not, not, nothing that upsets me. A little bit something I think, you know, a little questionable. Uh, Kind of made De Niro's Goodfellas right before he kills Billy Batch. Okay. You know, <laughs> as, you know the, the face on that one. Because yeah. it's like, campfire, eh? Okay. <laughs> yeah, there's two different fires, but one of them is called the campfire. Yeah. But uh, the the uh, Resilience release party from Sierra Nevada basically is that the breweries got the Resilience IPA from Sierra Nevada, which is a new style, new basic IPA that they've created to um, sort of send funds to the California wildfire um 
whatever, you know, they're collecting funds for those, those, uh, wildfires. So I did check out this resilience IPA when I went to the brewery and, uh, I thought that it was, it was pretty good. Um, it seems like really a standard style IPA. There's not that much that's really distinguished about it. Um, pretty generic. And even, um, the, the other style of IPA that I had while I was there at the, at Stump City, which is our local brewery, they, they have their own IPA, which is called the FJ and G, um, which is a, an acronym for a uh, special railroad system that we used to have going through here. Um, but their IPA tastes very, very similar to the resilience IPA that was made by Sierra Nevada. So I thought that the Sierra Nevada resilience IPA was, was good. I was glad to check it out, you know, send some money their way for the, the campfire. But at the same time, I was a little disappointed with it, that it wasn't anything more special than, you know, basically uh, somewhat malty, style of IPA. Uh, very, very similar to, you know, any regular generic IPA that you would get. Um, a little bit more hoppy than their pale ale, obviously, but, um, other than that, not, not really that much that would make it stand out from other IPAs. Um, one thing that I wanted to talk about too, after the resilience IPA, um, is that new Belgium in this pack also has a beer called the Mary Jane, which I think you just picked up right now. Yeah, they have a Mary Jane ale, which is um, a special ale that New Belgium brews for a uh, specific mountain range, I believe, if you look on the right-hand side of that bottle. They brew that for the uh, Colorado Winter Park Resort. Resort. In, uh, it's not yeah, just the park, it's the resort. Yeah, the Winter Park Resort in Colorado. <laughs> That's specifically for brewed for that location. And... Um, I like the bottle because Mary Jane's a hottie on the bottle, a very nineteen seventies esque. I was gonna say she looked, uh, softy soft core porn movie of a woman that goes to a ski I resort. Was th- I was thinking and that gets plowed by a uh, bunch of guys. God, yeah. I was gonna say. I was, <laughs> I was gonna say nice like nineteen seventies porn parody of the exactly. of the Bond film, The Spy yep. Who Loved Me. Yeah. So like the Spy Who Fucked Me. You there know, are quite a few nineteen seventies porn films. <laughs> That take place at ski resorts, like Snow Bunnies is one that stands out to me that I think um, Synapse Films released at one point. That is a porn film where they go to like a ski resort and that's your story for the porno. And that's exactly what that Mary Jane Pale Ale looks like. So uh, the New Belgium beer, that's a pale ale and what it's about actually Deb- really good. What about Debbie Does Dallas? Well, you know. Is there a Debbie Does Colorado? I don't, I don't know. It's a good question. <laughs> I don't know. That's uh, there may be surprisingly, but uh, I liked. I really like that Mary Jane Pale Ale. I think you know that one stands out more to me in this pack than the White IPA does. So that's one that I would like to point out for people who got <laughs> your hiccups. Sir. I always get the. Hiccups. I, I know, but I always get the hiccups. They're great. You literally <laughs> have the cartoon esque. <laughs> Like there's hic- also hic- bubbles coming out of my head. Yeah, hiccup. Yeah. Like you know, nice pink elephants from Dumbo. Yeah, except there's you, bubbles coming out of my head too. But you don't, you don't make the noise. You just do the flinching <laughs> yeah. movement and giant paws. Well, I'm, your... I'm on air. I can't make the noise. Yeah. Can't, I can't do a large. <gasps> oh, when I get hiccups, it's obnoxious. It's literally, it's literally that. So it's good that you don't get them. Not that often, thank God. So yeah, uh, Mary Jane Paleo, check it out. I think it's really good, New Belgium. Um, the Resilience IPA, okay, but not super impressive. And then the New Belgium Accumulation White IPA, again, all right, but just not a really great example of the White IPA style, at least in, you know, how we see it. So, yeah. 
All right, ready to get into Aquaman? I know we saw this movie on uh, Sunday. And when you're listening to this show, it'll be Friday. But when we're recording the show, <laughs> it's Wednesday. So so there's a bit of, been a bit of, of space between when we saw the film and when we record the episode. And that normally happens when we have to actually go out to the theater to watch the movie. Martin wanted to do this episode like right away. He wanted to go home. It was like 10 o'clock, you know, because mm-hmm. Aquaman's like four and a half hours long. And you have to, he wanted to go home. And really just record the podcast right then because it was fresh in his mind. He had some rants going on. He was ready for it. He bought the brew IPA. He was all good. But we didn't end up doing that because I have a job that I have to go to the next day on Mondays. So not that early. So, so it, it was you just, would have been fine. It was just You're not, not like work me out. getting up at two forty five in the morning. Well, so. when our when our podcasting sessions go for three hours that's we listen we haven't done that in a while. I know. But they usually do involve DC films mm-hmm. or Terminator, so yeah. Um, but so my, my point being, it's been a while since it's been a little while since we saw Aquaman. It's been a while, but, but uh, it's still pretty fresh in my mind. So I'm ready to get in there and talk about it. Yes, yes. and well, I will start out with the point that we made in the introduction because I think it's pretty easy to go from there about the rest of the film. Is that Aquaman, James Wan's version of this, does is, not have Amber Heard's titties. Well, that too, but... She's wearing as... We'll talk about that in a little bit. As I say, she's wearing as uh, unflattering of an <laughs> outfit throughout. Yeah. We'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk about that in a little while, but um, first, I just wanted to... Yeah, I just want to get into the point that Aquaman is very much like Black Panther, and yet, Aquaman has been in production for a long time. If you remember, when Justice League came out, Aquaman was already nearly completing production i believe at that time because james wan released a statement saying you know that shitty uh water (laughs) water that was in justice league yeah that's not in aquaman so that when they go underwater and fight you know magic carpet rides definitely wolf in justice league it's not atlantis that's not atlantis is that what you're saying are you you asking that yeah i'm asking because there's a the, the whole underwater fight with the atlanteans I'm assuming in Justice League, but in this movie, Aquaman's like, I've never been to Atlanta. Well, no, and I'm, in, giving, I'm, I'm emoting a little too much. Yeah. Jason Momoa, yeah, mean, oh, I've never, <laughs> never been to Atlanta. Yeah, I think therein lies a big problem with DC movies is that Marvel has, has it mapped out rep- te- reportedly very, very, very detailed. Uh, yeah, like detail oriented about what's going to happen. So you get a director in there. The director has. You know, some say about how regular scenes are going to be paced, how it's going to work out, you know, how you're going to take the script and translate it into a film. But they have a second director of photography that basically does all of the action scenes because they want them to be completely, um, like, that look like continuous shit. with other films in the series. So you don't get, like, ridiculous effects that don't match other movies in the in the um Marvel lineup and you don't get like weird angled shots and stuff that don't seem to match with any of the other action scenes in in Marvel movies. DC has none of that. They have no one behind the scenes going, let's make sure this matches up with Justice League. Uh, and it was they very... did. They did. They make sure to make it dark and stormy and True. gloomy. On, uh, yeah, they do for have the fi- this... for the final boss fight. They to do make have sure... one person on set design who's like dark, dark in it, flames, <laughs> yeah. rain. Yeah, that's, that's another thing too. Uh, that outside of Man of Steel, what, what, what any, none of these DC films have like civilian stakes. They're always at it's the, DC is Dragon Ball Z. They always are able to find uh, some far off island 
away from civilization to have their pitched battle, you know. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. literally outside of Man of Steel where the fight in Metropolis, everything else is like, Wonder Woman, it's on some army base. It's away from people. Justice League, it's in the pits of hell and Steppenwolf here. It's like, it's in the... On a ship out sea, and there's no people out yeah, it's there. Like in the deepest trench yeah. of the ocean. Yeah. Um, but what I was getting at here is that, as James Wan himself pointed out during uh, Justice League's release, they really don't have anybody who's looking at continuity between films and saying, like, make sure that the water. Why, would, why wouldn't you have the same effects team? Right? Or, like, them corresponding, like, hey, what's your water look like? Because it's 2019. You don't know by now. The internet's kind of a big thing, and right. a lot of people like to nitpick shit to death. So and, you and would think someone would be like, "Hey, you know, you want might want to make sure you know your water is, looks the same, and you know all this other stuff looks you know similar." And in this case, though, it is for the best that the people from Justice League doing that water did not make it over to Aquaman because Aquaman's a special effects water is way way better, like a hundred times better. Than Justice League. If you remember, Justice League's looked ridiculous. It like, but this film also has a lot of bad effects too. Well, the whole you, the whole movie is effects almost. Well, that's part of the problem. At least with Marvel films, they look seamless. Like Doctor Strange, though CGI was like, wow, that looks really fucking cool. The way mm-hmm. they're ending, like bending time and all that. Here it's like, oh, when Django Fett and his luck, you know. Nicole Kidman, dressed up as, you know, old woman Nicole Kidman, are on the fucking beachfront property in Boston, you know. But you're like, wow, that's a that's a terrible blue screen in the background for that, you know. That shot of the, of the vista. It look, it, yeah. Every time they do it, it looks fucking terrible. It, looks, it literally looks like a bond, like at the end of Thunderball, and the, when they're having the end ship fight, and you can t- totally tell, yeah, it's a blue screen, and they just got a ship wheel in the front, and it's just steering on control, and it looks so <laughs> fake and terrible. That's what that looks like. It looks awful. So yeah, they, yeah, the water looks cool, but all like the most of the effects in this look like dog shit. I definitely have to give it to Aquaman though, in that they had a lot to do with the effects themselves, and this is effectively, as you said, sort of like a. a a po- at, at the point where you're like, why even try to do it in like actual, you know, live action ro- like scenes? Because at this point, you're merging so much with just CGI, so you might as well go the injustice route and just have it all, you know, done in animation, and and have it have that be the movie. Because some of these scenes, like underwater, all of that was CGI. Having the hair flow and having you know, all of the fish float I, by. I, I and literally compare, you'd compare it to like the Star Wars prequels where it's literally nothing but just green, like George Lucas, like Lucas man or green screen. And like, okay, Natalie and uh, Hayden, you're going to walk around and pretend like there's a pretty uh, nibble vista in the background. There's a bunch of stuff yeah. going on. You're having this terrible soliloquy. Okay. It's actually, that's what this, like, that's what these films have become. It's like, okay guys, um, just, Pretend, you know, a lot of... Just imagine the guys, like, that gotta be, like, standing in front of the blue screen, like, you're gonna be the guy that gets copied a billion times, and you gotta just sit there with a stick, like, swinging it around, like, look at me, I'm fighting, you know, and that's gonna get copied and pasted over and over, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's just... This is actually... I mean, at least Disney, they have industrial light and magic behind them, so, you know, they can do anything, for God's sakes, you know? They've been making great effects since the original Star Wars, so... They got ILM on their side. 
apparently Warner Brothers has a bunch of film tech, you know, film students and art, you know. I mean, art designers. Yeah. I, I gotta say though, I think that Aquaman. I think we're, we're. I mean, we're being a little harsh on it. Aquaman probably is one of the better looking films in the DC franchise. I think it's not as good as Wonder Woman. Yeah, maybe not as good as Wonder Woman, but Wonder Woman is also a bit more practical too. Like there was a lot more practical effects in that movie, whereas Aquaman has the constantness of being underwater. So that in itself is an effect. I mean, every time they're underwater, that's an effect. You know, you don't have Jason Momoa just sitting around with like an oxygen tank and like taking off, (laughs) you know, breathing out. But all of those scenes where underwater effects take place are are actually well done. And the biggest thing that we have to criticize about the special effects themselves is when they have, you know, either a green screen background like you no- like you noted um or when constant fight scenes take place that you can tell it's like set in a virtual reality where you have injustice like characters that are just bouncing off of each other. Um and those are like the two big things that are really the except issue in, with except injustice is good. <laughs> but those, those are the big issues with the effects, and and then also the constant smattering of like there's lava flowing out of this underground volcano. Let's make it dark and stormy underwater too. Uh, yeah, those are those things are things that gotta go. We gotta get away from that. I the next the next boss fight for the next whatever films come cyborg cannot be in a dark, excuse me, dingy unlighted area with a storm. Yeah, it just can't. Infinity War had it on the bright, colorful Titan. Yeah, this thing, you know. Yeah, we got to get away from those. Like, I brooding, understand why they do it because br- it brooding, hides brooding Frank Miller esque, like you know, <laughs> yeah, pissed off. Bat- Next time, just set it in black and white with only red colors coming out. But I, I understand why they do it because the CGI it hides the CGI seams basically. You know what I mean? It, it hides. The blackness is like you can't really make it out. So it's like, yeah, maybe it could be a real person. Maybe it's CGI. Can't really tell. But mm-hmm. at the same time, you can't tell anything that's happening. So make have better CGI. True. But but I will say that as we talk about this, we kind of get away from the special <laughs> effects here. I think that go back, to the, go back to the Black Panther yeah, point. I think that Aquaman special effects are probably one of the better ones in the DC franchise so far. It's still not saying much. Not saying much, but... I still think they're they're better than everything else that's come before it. Especially like when you compare it to like Batman v Superman. Yeah. So uh but yeah, going back to the Black Panther point, storyline is completely Black Panther esque. Um you have and but the the thing is, at least Black Panther was able to focus on one idea, one thing being the main event of the movie. Whereas Aquaman is like, yeah, maybe we'll have some guy who's trying to take control of all the kingdoms in Atlantis, but then maybe we'll also have Black Manta who will start in this movie and, and like make, try to make him into a big... I think you got that mixed up. It starts off with Black Manta. Well, true, yeah, but it <laughs> but... does. But but I'm just saying, like, combining them, you're like, well, let's have a guy who... You know, well, let's have Patrick Wilson with a terrible blonde hair dye and slicked back in this film... Uh, and That's how you know he's evil. Yeah, and he'll be the evil guy who wants to combine all the kingdoms and become the king of the kingdoms. And that'll be like your uh, Black Panther moment. Use your Killmonger. With your Killmonger. And then, actually, you know what? Let's bring Black Manta in, because Black Manta is a huge part of Aquaman's as a comic series. So let's bring Black Manta in. Oh yeah, but we haven't touched on all the other places in 
underneath the sea in Atlantis and everywhere. So let's bring in all of the trench monsters from the first arc of the new 52 Aquaman. And we'll put those in there too. And then, actually, you know what? Let's also have a giant sea monster. Because that obviously has to guard Ad- Atlan's special trident. But then also, let's have these briny deep sea monsters. Well, well no, that's because that makes sense, though. Because they're the kingdom of the brine. So, in the whole conquest of yeah. uniting... There's so much! There's so much! It's a lot! I know. Well, it's... Te- it's Again, you- again, as I told you, this is one thing about superhero movies that piss me off. It's... Guys, come in. A little, little fireside chat. Get a little closer. A little, little closer. A little fireside chat here for a second. Um, it's okay to have just one villain. You don't, it's you, absolutely okay. You, do, you don't need to go the Spider-Man 3 route and blow your load and have like five villains. You can, So this film should have just had Patrick Wilson. Yeah. That's it. You don't need Black Manta. I think even you know, if you just, if you... If you had gone with Black Manta towards the end of the film and just sort of had that become your your end credit sequence, or you know, hinting at Black Manta will, you know, be you can ha- you can do what they did in the intro of like Aquaman leaving him for death and shit. Yeah, and he yeah. doesn't need to be the like one of the two main villains in this. Low lower end under the sea version of Deathstroke. Yeah. You know, that's what what you use in this, you know. Might as well start playing like this what he is. It's like Alright, we'll pay you in Atlantean doubloons, you know, and Which is great when he's like 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 here here's your Atlantean power suits and weapon Atlantean weaponry and you'll get Atlantean treasures and he's like Ooh what what's he gonna like, do with the fucking doubloons? Yeah. Like like oh look I got Atlantean doubloons. Someone's gonna be like, yeah, that's fake. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> what does he do with them? Yeah, how does I he know. Cash but anywho, point is, so you're right. That would have been a much better end credit sequence than what we got. Spoiler. Um, uh, the crazed Atlant, the barely that we saw on the movie. The guys Atlantis is real. Atlantis is real. You know, people are like. <laughs> Fool, you don't know what you're talking about. And then, like, he's the one that saves, you know, Black Manta. And, and yeah. now they're what are they gonna be fucking like Ant Man and Wasp? Like, you know, but no, it pointless. I Bla- think, Black Manta's part in this whole film, fucking pointless. It's just, it's just it clearly is set up for more of Black Manta in the future. But what the thing with the superhero movies really trying, and especially DC films, trying to overstuff themselves, is that you get to a point where you've tackled a lot of arcs from the comics that you don't have anymore to make anything into like a comic-based plot in the future. So when you're talking about Black Manta, Black Manta is a huge part of Aquaman. So why include him as a super minor character... That really has, like, seems like he's useless against Aquaman in this movie. Well, it's the same, it's the same thing, too, that um, Batman v Superman has an issue. Why why bring Doomsday in? Yep. Why kill Superman off from the get-go and do that storyline in the last 20 minutes of the film? You literally took something that could have been a Justice League, the first Justice League film. Not fucking Steppenwolf, but fucking Doomsday or something of the like. 
And, you know, because right now with the whole point, well, I guess the whole point with Steppenwolf was to, like, introduce the idea of boom tubes and, yeah, but, you know, but, and, and, the, and the new gods. Point, so we can eventually get the dark side, which that's another thing that these films aren't doing. They're not, like, with what the Marvel films over time started doing, introducing at the end credits Thanos and, like... Working towards a, a working towards a goal. So, yeah. obviously, at some point, the end game for one of the Justice League films, whether it be, like, the Justice League 2 or 3 or whatever, is going to be Darkseid. But at this point, and, like, how kind of slow they're going, it's like, when are we going to see any signs of that? Yeah. yeah. And, and again, I mean, no offense to Steppenwolf, you're, like, digging, like, the for that as your first Justice League film? You were... That's what you drug up? Yeah. Like it's just uh, really, really low hanging fruit there. Well, I mean, it's just it's people, just a, someone that most people probably wouldn't even recognize. I know, but I'm saying like so like you, like I said like it couldn't have been Doomsday. It couldn't have been like Gorilla Grodd, even though like how ridiculous that would be. But Grodd's a pretty big, you know. Yeah. F- you know, Justice League. Vil- uh, it's, it's just like annoying. It just annoys me because as I was watching the Aquaman film, and this is gonna be a little sidebar rant here. It's just like as I've watched all these DC films, I'm like they. I'm just having Doctor Evil from like. The first Austin Power like movies, like just like you just don't get it, do you? You just don't get it, Scotty. Scotty being DC, yeah, and Warner Brothers, you don't get it. They're like not... you're, you're totally like just like fucking things up from the get go. I think too with like Aquaman, as we we talked about, there's a moment in the beginning of Aquaman where it's not really clear where this takes place. Does this take place before Justice League? Does this take place after Justice League? It does League? take place after right. Justice League. Right, and then after you get into it a little bit, you realize, okay, this takes place after Justice League, which begs the question, there's no stakes here at this point. Justice League has already happened. The big things have already happened, and now we're on to Aquaman. And my question was to you, he's like, okay, when all this is going on, where's Superman? You mean the Man of Steel who can literally, he's already, now they're all, all everyone in the Justice League, they're all fucking buddies. You don't mean to hear he's hearing me. He's like, you think he's just sitting in a bathtub giggling with a uh, fucking, you know, Lois Lane? Like, like, oh, my buddy's got this. Don't worry. This that, is gonna, this is going to be his his character arc. That I can kind of, I, I mean, that that's something you just have to realistically get over. Like, you know, Superman doesn't interact with like Batman stuff most of the time. He does sometimes, but most of the time, well, that's you know, different. He's just kind of ba- let Batman go by him. Well, that's different. Go be Batman. Batman. Well, that's different because Batman's go be a miserable. Gen- I'll say, shit. I'll say that's different. Again, that's different though because generally Batman's villains are at the human level. Yeah, yeah. Where, no. So, so for you know, I think obviously if like Batman was dealing with some like fucking brainiac, then Superman would be like, okay, yeah, time to get involved. Right. So, or like the whole fact that Atlantis is planning on destroying. All us land dwellers, Superman has vested stakes to be like, you fix this shit right, like, you know, True. or come down. I mean, he's, you know, that's what he does. On the scale of nitpicks, Aquaman has way bigger problems than like, <laughs> does Superman or does he not get involved in this? I think, but, but yeah, you're right. I mean, Superman probably would have an ear cocked to uh, under the, under the. Water. I know, like I said, the only thing I can think of is like he's sitting there like fucking Lois Land, like. Oh my boy, Jason Momoa. He's, he's got it. He's got it. This, this, this is his character. Yeah, he's, arc. he's got it right he, now. He's gonna. He's He'll gonna, handle it. He can unite them. Yeah. He's he's the chosen one. Why? Uh because Nicole Kidman had sex with Django Fett. Yeah. My which I didn't even realize that until I saw Red Letter Media's video on that that's movie. Him. Yeah, because I'm like that's why I was saying when I was watching. I'm like, God, he looks so fucking familiar. But. Oh, that is Django. Fett. I didn't recognize, but all I did, all I could think of when I saw him was that. 
he's going to go back home and watch a hockey game. <laughs> I know. That was great when the, the whole scene when the fucking sea sweeps Aquaman and dad's old pickup boy, you know, driving home from the bar late at night. You know, like, like shit, we're going to miss the Bruins game. <laughs> I know. It's, that's all I could think of when I saw when I saw his dad and how he, he dressed with his little skull cap on. And... I just love the fact, I run a lighthouse. What year is this? 1840? Got, yeah, yeah. You got you got some whaling ships from Moby Dick, you know, to make sure they get to shore. the lighthouse, yeah. So, I, I will say that, like... Pass wh- McQuaddy. <laughs> or Pete's Dragon. I mean, one of the things that I think is the problem in Aquaman is that there are just, there's just too much stuff going on. Um, you have, Well, like, you got it. It's two and a half hours long. Uh, that, right, you know, it's too long. It's... Like I said, it's like, um, they're like, hey, we're going to make Ben Hur. You got to, I mean, you got to get Charlton Heston. We'll make it a nice six hour. We'll have an intermission. You know, everyone's going to get popcorn. It'll be, you know, you've got, you've got too many villains. There's no need to go to all seven kingdoms. I no. See, I, I disagree. I think that's actually a good idea because I think I'm fine with the whole, it being similar to Black Panther and plot premise of he's but it's slightly turned on its ear by the fact that he's the outsider so in this sense he's killmonger he's the banished one where patrick wilson's you know right he's he's, he's actually within the he's not a half breed basically but their their roles are their their roles are reversed and personality wise but so so i'm fine so i'm fine with that and black panther the difference was he gets uh you know he gets his ass beat loses the kingdom and is left for dead and so then he's got a redemption story of gaining his strength back and taking the fight back to him towards his. Right. Here, we don't have that because you have fucking Aquaman run chicken shit heel and just be like, oh, I'm going to run away. You know, you know. Sk- <laughs> My tread broke. You know, Amber, Amber Heard's like, uh, gotta save him, you know. Yeah. And, Amber uh, Heard actually seems like her character uh, <clears throat> has like some fucking unstoppable powers. She can basically just use water at her leisure to she's do a water she wants. I know she's a waterbender, but it's great. From it's Avatar, like, she's probably stronger than Aquaman. But so uh, again, so the fact that they run off and they introduce this whole idea of like, well, if you had the Atlantis Trident, you could win because you would be able. He's the only one that w- was able to basically because it wouldn't break. <laughs> That's the biggest issue with Aquaman. Is like, shit, my trident broke. Like, what am I gonna fight with now? Yeah, That's but, the biggest issue. So and then it has like this great magical power. That they don't even bother to explain. So it's not like, well, okay, fine. They said it was like forged in like one of the kingdoms. So that, so that, that it's kind of, you know, at least. It's also been probably infused with the calcium of uh, Atlan's <laughs> depleting bones. So, holding for a millennia. Just like, yeah. you know? But so, so I'm fine with it then making it fucking Indiana Jones because Amber Heard's got the outfit for it. I'm cool with that too. I really just am. and just go globe, you know, globe trotting and even have even have the little plane like da da da. Yeah, they do. Know. Yeah. So I I'd be I, fine with I'm that. Cool but with the that too. but the fact that they literally 40 minutes of the film's like wasted away on Black Manta's bullshit and that you know well and and not even discussing the fact of that whole really outlandish. 
uh, emotional scene with Black Manta and his father, and it's like, your father's an asshole. Did you not just see everybody I was getting mo- killed I on was, a pirate ship? I was more... Fi- on the submarine? I was more fixated on the fact that it's the 2000s, and I'm expected to believe that the Russian Navy still <laughs> has 1960s, you know... Penguin from the Batman TV series esque, you know, striped V neck outfits. Like, you should ask your brother. Like you should say you should ask. I say you should ask your brother-in-law who is in the Navy and work. You know, he did wear those, but not the blue suits. He wore tan tan suits with the. Yeah, but not the striped no, not V-necks. The V-necks no. Yeah, no. So no. I mean, like, no, that was funny. But yeah, the, the whole like part of the film. It but, does ask us in the beginning to be like emotionally attached sympathetic. to Black Manta, and it's like this guy. We just saw this guy like protract a blade from his arm and slice through an innocent submariner for the captain of the sub. Yeah, for basically nothing. And it was like, why am I feel? Why am I supposed to feel sympathetic for his dad dying? Literally, like, when his dad was like sitting there with a the grenade and about, well, or bomb or bomb, 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 and about to you know blow up, and he's like, go, son. Get that bastard! You know, and he's like, "Okay, Paul." You know, I was expecting. Why didn't they, they should just like cut to um, Robert Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder? Like, Survive! <laughs> I Survive! I, and by the way, when he blows that, that doesn't like rupture another hole in the hull, the submarine. I don't understand the blowing it up thing. I, I just I don't get it. Like why? I well, he re- so you don't have to die of drowning. I, I mean, what would you would you rather? I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know if I, I think. Would... I think if I remember correctly from previous science videos I've watched, I think drowning in salt water is a lot more painful because I guess the way like it gets intaked into your body, so you're a lot more conscious. Maybe for it than maybe in fresh what... water. Maybe so it's it's a very slow and pain. I don't know. But, but it also put his son in like unnecessary danger. He's he's a. They're robbing fucking submarines. I think he, you it's know, true. you know, he should. But that that whole thing was like twenty minutes of really unnecessary. First of all, so many guitar riffs as Aquaman mm. pulls out another one liner. It's like a fucking Saved by the Bell episode, like yeah, you know, like when uh, Zach Morris is being a piece of shit, you know, like he's like, oh gee. Did that like, did that scene to you seem like it almost was shot at a different time than the rest of the movie? And they probably and, like, and they were like, uh, we they went in a different direction, but they wanted to include it for Black Manta's backstory. It, it kind of seemed like it because like wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility. It, it definitely seemed like there was some differences between how that that was shot and how it was scored. But and at the same time, I mean, I could see them like, all right, Aquaman was one of his biggest villains. Black Manta. All right, we're gonna start a thing with Black Manta, and and like halfway through, probably shooting like, oh shit, he ain't the king of Atlantis yet. We haven't. You haven't told that story. That's probably, right. That should probably be told first. Um, yeah. Uh, and they're like, fuck, 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 you know, like... <laughs> Swa- <laughs> pulling things, <laughs> swapping you know, things like, around. Because, and- I mean, if you think about it, how stupid would it be? The first Aquaman movie, and we don't get to... He's the king of... You know, he united Atlantis, and yeah. they're going to work together with the surface world. Right, because he never and- has his Aquaman suit, either. He gets no, he's too busy being in a fucking lighthouse with Da, watching, you know, the Bruins. Hey, hey you know... We'll- Drinking with bikers. Listen, bikers on a damn, coastal town. Yeah, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go down. So I'll stay trooper and talk to him. It's going to help us out a little bit. <laughs> get some Gansets. We go to the bar. And then when we get to the bar and we drink some more Gansets, we're going to watch the Celtics play. Celtics getting look, look, looking good this year. They didn't win the East, huh? That's what I need from Jason Mimosa. You know what they should have had? They should have had fucking 
uh, Matt Damon play him. Or, you they know. probably should have, yeah, because Jason Cause Momoa... Because he, he, one, I mean, he's a native Bostonian, yeah. and so when watching him in The Departed, talking, you know... He's got it, yeah, you know, he knows how to do it. It's great when you get to hear Ben Affleck, you know, break out of, you know... <clears throat> but he's already Batman, he's protecting Gotham. Yeah, you can't do both. Yeah. But, but yeah, with Jason Momoa, he really does not have a range at all. He has no he Just has no imagine your no. Aquaman with a heavy Boston accent. Yeah. Just imagine... Yeah, get in the car. Get in the, tr- get in the truck. Come on. Come on, we gotta go. <laughs> Bruins are on tonight. We gotta get out of here. <laughs> Bruins are on tonight. Come on. That would be pretty fun, actually. <laughs> I would think it would add a little bit more pathos to uh, to Aquaman because at this point, really... Uh, He's j- just a j- grizzly man. He, yeah, I mean, there's really no... Even in the scenes where Aquaman tries to push like a more... Uh, empathetic version of you know this character the first 20 minutes Arthur you know as as more of a human you know he's because he's half human half Atlantean so they try to push that more human aspect of it it's like Jason Momoa is not even human (laughs) how do you expect him to to come across as a as half human in this film and you know he's not human but then they also have the whole love interest with Mara obviously anybody who knows Aquaman knows that Arthur and Mara are in love um, Happen, and, happens just overnight, and, right? But I mean, if you're if you're with Amber Heard long enough, like that, I mean, like, of course you're gonna fall in love <laughs> with like the red hair and everything. Yeah. She's like beautiful in this film. Just like, and and then they minus that white right baggy even, tracksuit she's even, wearing. Even when they put her in Indiana Jones's, you know, oversized attire, she's still beautiful in this film. I mean, but it's also hurt by the fact when they get to Sicily and they. Start playing some Roy Orbison, you know. And I love Roy Orbison. And I love that song. She's a mystery to me. But goddamn, was that like the most inappropriate? <laughs> that's that's like even worse than Suicide Squad's, like you know, uh, the constant uh, like rock songs. Yeah, like inappropriate rock. Yeah, no, that was like, what are you doing? Like, what fifteen year old went to see Aquaman? It's like they were sitting. I guarantee, because you're my age. And you don't know who the, like, any Roy Orbison song, probably outside of you, oh, Pretty Woman. Pretty Woman. Yeah. So was, I'm like, no, what I do you... I did not know that song. Yeah, what, what do you do? No. Not, what, why? No, this because is... Because she ate roses, okay? It's... She's a mystery. Oh, so she's... You're right, she's Ariel. Just, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, yes. Uh, yeah, it does. Why, you... why didn't they have her grab a fork, too, and be like, what's this? A bingle hopper. Dingle Hopper. <laughs> but I, I think like even those scenes of trying to like give Arthur a more human aspect to them are really hurt by the fact that Jason Momoa, like he's he's good at doing like his one-liners. He's good at doing. Are action you sure about scenes. that? Well, I mean, he's all right. He's all right at doing one-liners. He's he's good at doing action scenes when they're not using a CGI stand-in. But to actually deliver a necessary like. Charism- yeah, yeah, charismatic <laughs> line or romantic line. No. Well, his dad is Django Fett, so he's... No, he doesn't have any charisma. And and the biggest issue is having... And Nicole, him- Ki- and Nicole Kidman, a charisma void. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. no, that's... And just, see, no, that's perfect parenting, because if we learned anything from that overly long 25-minute opening narration of how fucking old man Winter and Nicole Kidman... Became, you know, love interest, which again, that was like tedious as all hell. Just watching that intro of like him, Jason Momoa, 
Yeah, that's N- narrating. The, that. Jason Momoa narrating anything is is not a good thing. Never should have. Like no one is gonna run out now and be like, <laughs> Jason, we wanted to recruit you for Audible for audiobooks. <laughs> no one, no one is gonna do that. No, no. We need you to do a Tale of Two Cities. Have you your voice, having... your bland voice, will fit that yeah. Dickens narration instead of, instead of like promoting book. reading. Audible would be like having trouble sleeping. <laughs> we've got the we've got the book for you, Moby Jason. Dick, <laughs> read by Jason Momoa. Yeah, yeah. Oh god! With all the charisma of a starfish. One person who does have charisma is Willem Dafoe in this film. And I always like Willem Dafoe. I know. He is expecting Bill Murray to show up and, <laughs> and him being like, "Thanks for not picking me." He does have like the sort of same style from the Life Aquatic in this movie. I was thinking, take that and Loki. Yeah, because when I was watching, that's one thing I got wrong about this film. I was thinking, like, at any moment, you're gonna find out he betrayed them. Right. Yeah. It does. It does so, seem like that's it's leading up to that in some ways. So you know, the fact that he, I think eventually he will, and down the line, he's like tr- a, a double agent somehow. I mean, outside of Life Aquatic. Name a Willem Dafoe movie where he's not... Li- yeah, he's... I mean... You it's know, his name, Dafoe. Yeah, he's, he's normally, like, Spider-Man. You know, the Raimi Spider-Man. Um, the only Spider-Man. Yeah. And, and so, you know, that... Yeah, he really does, most of the time, play, like, a villain character. Because he does have that villainous look to him. You know, his his facial features. And voice. Yeah, you know, they, they do... They gravelly. It does come out like that. But in this film, he does have charisma. He is likable. And there is that great scene where, you know, we get the flashback sequence where he's teaching uh, Arthur on how to do, you know. A water wheel. Basically a a big water shield. And then Arthur uses it in the finale against, uh, uh, what's Patrick Wilson's name? Um, King Orm. Orm. I was going to say King who gives a shit. Yeah, I forget. He uses it against Orm. And there's that great scene of Juan zooming in on... Willem Dafoe looking as proud as hell, just super proud, smiling, giving a nice little, nice little grin because he's like, yeah, he he used it, didn't he? What movie does that remind you of? Silent Night, Deadly Night. <laughs> it does. It, 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 it like that. Grin they could. And... They almost were going. I I heard from James Wan. They were going to use Warm Side of the Door for that yeah. sequence, but they couldn't get the rights. They should have. Yeah, it would have made great sense because there'll be thunder in light. There was thunder in light. Yeah, it would have fit right in with that. Yeah, and and you know what? Too, the only thing that they they didn't get right with Willem Dafoe is he doesn't do a nod. He just has the like the he's he, he's kind of serious, and all of a sudden a little grin, a smirk crosses his face they should have done the nod too he he needed a nod and just like yeah i taught him that would have been great but that whole scene that like that coming out of nowhere pretty much made aquaman for me just watching it i yeah. loved it but yeah he serves as uh arthur's mentor yep we get to see flashbacks of him coming to land you know these caribbean vistas yeah somewhere outside of boston outside, yeah. <laughs> yeah. outside the harbor you know, um, showing Arthur how to use a trident and how to swim and, you know, all that good shit. Um, yeah, he out of like all the characters in this film, he's the only one I really find to be enjoyable. But he, even as I say, say that, and I said that after we got done watching the film and you were waiting for the end credits to play, um, 
You can tell he's banking it in. Yeah. It's, <laughs> there's not a whole lot for him to do in this movie. Um, just, he delivers some key exposition. Uh, one of them in a very, very generic pirate ship that's apparently underwater in Atlantis. If you're high bre- highborn or whatever, you can breathe air and underwater. That's why the Atlantean soldiers wear those suits filled with water. Because, yeah, they can only... They can only use their whatever i mean i guess that they would be considered gills that they have uh but that that one pirate ship that they they have their secret meeting in is yeah. so very generic like they should have had the dingle hopper like there. walt disney world esque. like <laughs> here's the set of you know this is the pirates of the caribbean ride and we've made a pirate ship for it and here's like you know like because they've even went to the trouble of like scattering doubloons on the floor like no one was like <laughs> fuck these doubloons they're in think, my way i'm cleaning think, them up do, do you think they were thoughtfully scattered or they picked like a Microsoft paint, like generic pirate background. Yeah. Like, oh, you know. yeah. It's so weird though. Cause it's like, why would, you know, they leave this, it, they have this, they especially set up this area, this pirate ship. They've they blocked it off. So it's only air within the inside of it, you know, cause they have to swim to it. And then there's an air bubble air pocket inside so that no one else can come in. And they have like this very generic pirate ship. Like, who design? Did somebody go in there and like intentionally design it to look like a pirate ship? Now, do you think that after seeing this movie, that Trump saw this movie and was like, "My wall needs auto targeting." targeting oh, yeah, like, the, like what, what do they call those? Um, they call them something specific in the movie. I can't remember. I don't know. Um, low, low rent Star Wars. Turbo, turbo right, yeah. lasers. <laughs> yeah, like laser laser shooting. Uh, yeah, they call them something. Impenetrable. Yeah. Thousands of people trying to get in and, you know, get and, and, you know, as they make it clear in the movie, they're useless anyway. You're not stopping people from getting in or out. Well, because Amber Heard's, you know. Amber Heard's piloting, and she's got the moves. <laughs> and if you've seen those moves... Where do you see the bedroom moves that she's got? <laughs> A little careless whisper there. Yeah. Um, we One thing we didn't talk about is uh, the music in this film. Fucking terrible. The music is uh, all over the place. Outside of the Roy Orbison song, which I like, but I was saying... And then I don't even really count as music because that's just an outside Source. song. That, you know, that wasn't, you know, uh, orchestrated for this film. One thing I will give Aquaman is that it at least does follow in the same um, style as Wonder Woman's soundtrack. Because Wonder Woman has that, you know, very uh, recognizable score with the violin for Wonder Woman's theme. I would and say Aquaman this does song. still use, like, the the violin strengths. Um, I would say for this soundtrack, for the most part, it sounds like they watched a Botchamania video and pl- and plugged in some classic Sega and SNES songs. So a lot of the songs sound like fucking something you hear in Sonic or Donkey, uh, Donkey Kong Country. Yeah. Like, and then, you know, those nice little guitars, unnecessary guitars, just smattered throughout the film, these guitar stings at inappropriate moments. Yeah, the, and that's why I said, you know, the guitar stings, they do happen in the later parts of the film, but that init, that first 20 minutes they're scene, fucking they're, it's all, like all over the place. The guitar. Oh, yeah, you're talking about like the bassy sort of like, 
uh, <laughs> THX sound effects that yeah, come the, out of nowhere. Oh, that's why I said that, that shit was going to be the intro. Oh, yeah, the THX sound from, effects. From, no, no, not the THX. From Tiny Toons, the Tiny Toons movie. Oh, no, sad promo! And they all duck. Yeah. It's like, thud, the audience is now deaf. Literally what that that first like fucking whole submarine fight and every fight yeah. sequence afterwards yeah. had a boom that there's no slow-mo or anything going on or anything transition from what was happening. It's just boom yeah. yeah, it is that that like sustained bassy note that they Like play. somebody fell asleep on a fucking Moog synthesizer. Like, yeah. And that leads us to probably one of the greatest surprises of this movie. Is there is not one, not two, not three, maybe not even four, but like at least five surprise explosions <laughs> out of nowhere. <laughs> surprise explosion. Plot convenience. Exactly. <laughs> Having a great romantic moment. Surprise explosion. <laughs> On a submarine fighting to the death. Surprise explosion. You know. The, it they just needed Sergeant Dokes from fucking Dexter. But surprise, motherfucker. And then they have an, exp- you know. I mean. Once or twice, okay, you know, it works, it's a surprise, it gets the audience. Like, five or six times, you've really out outlived, like, any of the effectiveness of having a surprise explosion at that point. At this point, the audience is like, there's gonna be another surprise explosion. Is it, like, gonna happen? I'm, I'm expecting it. You know, at the end of, end credits, surprise explosion, like, blows James Wan's... Uh, name out of the credits and would have been better surprise than, explosion. Would have been better than the end credits part that we got. I mean, I mean the, the one thing that is in this film that makes Aquaman really cheesy is just the constant surprise explosion just happening all over the place. It's unbelievable that no one was like, James, this is like the sixth one we've done. Like, <laughs> you, you we're not even halfway through wanna, the movie. Like, you don't want to try something else? <laughs> you know, a different kind of surprise? Um, that is one thing. It's like comical. It becomes comical after a while. It's like another one, another <laughs> one, another one. And, and not only is it a they surprise explosion, but it's the same surprise explosion. It's yet again, more of those stormtrooper esque guys in water suits bursting through a wall with like whatever guns they have. They should have, should have had a surprise explosion to kill off, uh, Django Fett, you know, at the yeah. White House, just like <laughs> sitting there wa- watching the They're brew. having their nice reuniting uh, kiss watching the, the, dock br- yeah, the watch, green screen. Watching the Bruins play, you know. Nicole Kidman's a big Bruins fan, too, you know, just sitting there, like, you know, watching the game. Yeah, this is a damn child. He's going to take a shot at the point and, you know, have the power play. And then, boom! Surprise explosion. She's they, dead. They could have had a surprise explosion through the green screen. Surprise! It's a green. It's been a green screen the whole time. I think they don't a, live in the. A surprise explosion is what made Arthur. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty. That is probably true. That is probably <laughs> oh! true. But there are way, 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 way too many surprise explosions <laughs> in this movie. It just, yeah, it's just way out of control after a while. Um, just so many. <laughs> Something that really stands out throughout the film. It's pretty bad. It's yeah. It's I. I'm. I really am surprised no one was like. This is this is an excess now. You know, we, you know, you know. It's okay to do that in Insidious. You know, you have constant jump scares in a superhero film. Not so much. You know, we're gonna cut some of those out. Um, but yeah, Aquaman could have used cutting in general. It, it's it's too long. It's way too long. Um, at two hours and twenty three minutes, it's they literally should, like I said before. They should have just divided this up in two to two movies. Have one movie be about him becoming the king of Atlantis, and another film where he deals with Black Manta. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, there's not enough in this film to make a 
Black Manta movie. Not at, not at what it's it's included right now. But, but there's an I think you know you can make it enough to be like ninety minutes to two hours long for both films, and you get a more cohesive and enjoyable plot because they're just like I said this. This movie just goes all over the place. We're first getting an origin story of how Arthur was, you know, he was born as the Aquaman, you know. Which I find funny that in Justice League, he's up somewhere in fucking Iceland at an Icelandic bar, bar listening to Bjork songs. Or whatever the fuck where Batman finds him. And now he's back in Boston and the harbor, watching the Bruins play. And we get his little origin narrative back bullshit, which... Literally, could you didn't need the narration. Mm-mm. Cut it out. Just have, play. You know, the right. Whole... We get we get the gist of it without needing yeah. Jason Momoa to tell it to yeah. us. We're not stupid. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then just have it be like how he's been doing his own his thing on his own as and be, being known as Aquaman, and then lead into how he gets to Atlantis and what happened to his mother. And then why he's got to fight to become the king. Mm-hmm. Because he's the chosen one. He's the, he's the real king of Atlantis. Yeah. Which, there's nothing to signify why he would be the real chosen one. Because, yes, even though he was the firstborn, as Patrick Wilson also points out several times, he's a bastard. <laughs> so, you know, he, yeah. he wouldn't be the next in line anyway. But, um... And just have it be focused on that. And then do your little Indiana Jones fucking globe trying to get the track tried it and we get to visit some of the other kingdoms and all that and yeah that, that would be a fine two-hour movie and then leave black manta to the next film where he's a pirate and he discovers atlantis and you can expand more on his character and and, and, and what he does and how he's able to like outsmart yeah arthur and like you know because like after the first 20 minutes black manta's gone for almost half the film and then he's like oh i'm and then, and then he does a few things, and then he's gone again for yeah. the rest of the film. So it's really a waste of him, and it's just a setup where they could have really just hinted at that and then done it more in another movie. Like that whole fight scene in Sicily. Yeah. Went on for fucking ever. Yeah, just... and you went to the bathroom, you came back still going on. Yeah. yeah. A... And, and, and I mean, it was a pretty good choreographed scene, especially with them, like, running through walls and shit. But, but yeah, it's it's too long. And I think part of the problem with the DC films now, or, or actually any superhero film, is that people kind of expect them now to be like two and a half hours long. And that that should not be the expectation. The expectation should be it's as long as we need it to be. And in the case of, um, you know, the uh, Avengers movies, yeah, maybe they do need to be, you know, as we're getting into it, maybe they do need to be two and a half hours long. But Aquaman certainly does not, especially when you're not trying, you don't want to overstuff it. They just, what they did here was they said, we need more and more and more. And they overstuffed it and became two and a half hours long and really became clear throughout the film that it didn't need to be. And I think that was an issue. And perhaps it did come from early rights where it was like, we're going to have Black Manta in this one. And, and then it, they decided maybe And again, not. it goes back to a point you brought up early in the film and I, that I brought up about like overstuffing villains. You're ha- literally handicapping yourself because compared to Marvel where a lot of the heroes have like a general wide array of villains mm-hmm. to kind of choose from. When you think of DC, there's only one hero's rogues gallery that stands out above and beyond everybody else's. That's Batman's. Yeah. Superman has a little bit with, you know, Brainiac and Doomsday and, you know, the toy maker and all that. But Batman, even like third rate villains like Mr. Freeze and the Riddler, you have prime chance to, you know, have something interesting happen. 
Yeah. So if you think of like someone like Aquaman, I can't think of very. You're many, literally yeah. like I said. You're literally handicapped. Like it's like. So what would you do? And then it makes you think like well, for Cyborg, like what the fuck are they gonna do for Cyborg? Yeah. You know. So it's like what? Like again, like I don't understand why handicapping yourself that by much. using so much and then yeah, because next time they're gonna it's have not, to go Black Manta route again. You know, it's not. It's not like at least with like. Lex Luthor, you can constantly have him show up and be like a villain, you know, throughout throughout the DC universe. Like the next next Justice League, like maybe he f- somehow breaks out of jail and finds out about Stephen Wolf and figures out the boom tubes and somehow unleashes Dark Side onto you know Earth. Because mm-hmm. at least when you have those two villains, it, it right? Because make... he's sort of like on the outskirts; he's not really like the main. But also, he's he, he unleashes he, what's the also, main. but he's like got the smarts and the technology to yeah. be also a power powerful force, not as powerful as Dark Side. But you know, it, it'll make sense here. Again, here it's just like you introduce this other major villain, and like I said, you bastardize him and made him the Sea Lab twenty twenty one version of fucking Deathstroke. Into like, well, what's he do? And he's got Atlantean lasers, and it's that's about it, you know. Yeah, and another problem with that is that um, they turn Black Manta in sort of like a comedy aspect because a, some of the scenes that they show him, he's like messing up. He shoots accidentally shoots shoots lasers at himself and blows up. He has some comedy moments to it. They even do that in the end credits. <clears throat> yeah, and I don't think they really worked that well for Black Manta because, as we see, otherwise Black Manta is really like sort of a dark character. And well, that's right. Yeah. You know, and 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 not only that, but um, the Black Manta suit is really not not well done. Scuba diving suit with yeah. a giant fucking. It doesn't look football, like Stewie Griffin. Head. Yeah, the head itself, I think, um, is so it looks better in the comics. I'll say that. Um, that you know, maybe maybe it never. Maybe the suit itself just doesn't look cool on screen, but in the comics, it does look a lot better than what we got in the you know, what was presented to us in the film. My idea for the end credits when, like, instead of having the guy that's like, you let it real, blah, 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 and him being the one to find Black Manta, have him be Amanda Waller that finds Black Manta. Like, hey, got a job for you. Put you to work in the Suicide it, yeah, Squad. put him in the Suicide Squad. You know. Mm-hmm. That would be at least, you know, more interesting. Because, again, it's like, after what you fucking did with him in this film, what are you going to do it with him in Aquaman 2 if they right, ever right. do Aquaman 2? Right, yeah, you, you, you've already sort of had what could have been his film. And yeah. And and you you sort of like made it into a secondary portion of the first Aquaman. So yeah, they they're gonna have a tough time coming up with a new compelling storyline with Black Manta on how for he, the second Aquaman. And how he fights the King of Atlantis. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. No, you're at, you're absolutely right. Like I said, I th- that was one of the cool things about Batman v Superman is the ending where, you know, Bruce is talking to Amanda Waller. It's like literally one of the few good things about the whole fucking film. Setting it up, yeah, you know, and you're you're getting something that you know is go- going to further the entirety of the DC storyline. Granted, they fucked, they totally botched and fucked right, it up, right. but at least at least that you know it's like yeah, it's yeah. Good, that's a good idea. In this one, there is like there's no defining qualities of like this is what's coming next for the DC series as a whole. Yeah, we're, well, like, what about Flash? What about, again, with like, yeah, Flash, and, and, Cyborg, what the fuck? And there's, they... and there's barely anything to say this is what's coming next for Aquaman. Same thing, too, with Green Lantern, because that's one that's coming, I think that's like after Cyborg, that's the next one in the works. We have nothing to talk about, you know, yeah. Green Lantern-wise. No is it going to be Hal Jordan? Is it going to be Kyle Rayner? Is it going to, I mean, it's obviously going to be, you know, Hal Jordan, but is it going to be Jon Stewart? 
we who the fuck knows? And like, right. what is the Green Lantern Corps like? Are they watching what's going on? Like, again, see that's and, where and, see and, that's where like you said before. That's why I get so pissed off because it's not hard to fucking think about. I'm half drunk and just like kind of off shooting right now. It's well, there's oh, a a oh. lot that you could do to set start setting up for all of the Green Lantern. Well, I mean, I'm, talk, I'm, I'm just talking about like, like how to like you start introducing Dark Side. From Apocalypse, he's watching what's going on, on Earth and like ca- like noticing Kal El, and then with what Darkseid's doing in the end credits, you start to introduce the Green Lantern Corps because they're the fucking police of the universe. Like Darkseid's up to something. We need to you know be vigilant, and, you know, and like we'll set like you know you can have like we'll send like Sinestro to do something that like introduces how for the Green Lantern film when they choose like Hal you know Hal Jordan to become you know to become the next the Earth's, you know, Green Lantern and how, like, then whatever the hell happens with Sinestro, blah, blah, blah. You know, you're at least setting up for down the line. Yeah. They're not, they're not, they're just... There's no setup here. They're all, every like, standalone fi- films. Every film's a... Cr- is, I'm stealing from Red Letter Media in their review. Every film that they make is a corrective action. They do something, people bitch and moan like we are, like I am at least, about what they're doing, and then the next film, they fucking, you know, like, we're gonna try to fix that. And they're not... Like I said, planning everything out ahead of time. All they have is just like their titles planned out, and then everything else will you know, figure it out along the way. You yeah, know? yeah. And there's, there's no real plan here. There's no and path. And that, when we were watching this film in the theater, I po- pointed out to you like during that whole fucking Sicily fight. I'm like, imagine like what are they going to do? Like one of the Justice League films. I imagine if this f- thing gets down the line long enough, is they'd probably do like Flashpoint. How, how the fuck are they going to do Flashpoint? Right. Yeah. Just how to navigate through it. Because that, that would be like if they were do, to do a Justice League two-part film, Flashpoint's an event comic that would have to require mm-hmm. two films. Yeah. You know, so... It'd be like, how the fuck do they do that without totally screwing that up? Or if they went, you know, if Green Lantern somehow caught on big enough and they did, like, Brightest Night and Darkest Day, like... I mean, Brightest Day and, like, Darkest Night. Like, how the fuck do they do that without fucking it up? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's it's hard to say. I mean, right now we haven't really seen anything that can that shows that they can actually juggle having like multiple ideas that play at once. Just they can the, only do a solo standalone film. Just at this point, just for the next Justice League, just do Crisis on Infinite Earth and reboot the whole fucking thing. Start from scratch again. Just just like all right, we're not a bad idea. Nuke, nuking the verse again, and we're starting from scratch. Just not to, a bad idea. Yeah. I mean, it's funny just thinking about it, because they did Man of Steel, and then they waited, like, forever to do the next, you know, Batman v. Superman. Like, I just don't understand why they didn't do Batman right after, you know, soon after. I know it's coming right off the Nolan ones. Hollywood's not afraid to... They waited literally, like, like, a couple of years, like, between Spider-Man reboots, after the Amazing Spider-Man bomb. They're like, all right, pump out, you know, when the Hulk bomb, all right, you know, pump those out. I just don't understand why, like, after, you know, if you're going to set, I mean, great, I don't think with Man of Steel they were even thinking about it at the time, no. uh, cinematic universe, because I think even at the time, that time for Marvel, they were, you know, they are doing individual films, but I don't think at the time they were really, they were kind of planning it out, but I don't think it was fully, they had a sense of, like, what they were actually yeah. going to, you know. How they're going to go forward? Yeah, I think that's I think that's right. Yeah, but I mean, plan like like if you just think about like how they DC has gone with their film franchise, it's kind of like Suicide Squad. You did we haven't seen a Ben Affleck Batman movie yet? Yeah, 
We haven't seen a Flash movie yet. It's just weird to me. I don't fucking know. All right, so do you have anything else before we do this rating? I want to talk about the Kingdom of the Bride. Okay. Want to talk about you? Want to talk about that final battle between Patrick Wilson and the? I mean, we kind of already have. I know, but like in depth, like all it's the kind nice, of hilarious, like bubble beam, like, you know, like if like Squirtle use bubble beam. There's like the all fucking well, sound effects. The one thing that I did want to bring up is that like if this battle was actually happening in like the trenches, like Japan is just destroyed <laughs> by a giant tsunami. Like th- there, there's no way that a kraken is manifesting in like the bottom trenches, and there's there's all these like special little squid subs that are flying around and shooting laser beams. And, Don't you love you know, them riding like have saddles on sharks and riding? Yeah, them. right. <laughs> and, and volcanoes are erupting, and giant seahorses are <laughs> flying around. And I said, you know, there's probably a National Geographic sub somewhere down there <laughs> taking pictures and saying. What the <laughs> fuck is all that shit down there? Yeah, but that Atlant- that guy on the news, Atlant- you know. Yeah. And by the way, that also shows a problem with American news. Like, they have pundits on. They have, like, credible pundits. This crackpot pundit, like, the Atlantis is real. Like, fool. Yeah. It's like, why do you have why, him on then, have, you, di- you yeah, know? Why, why have a guy on that's, You're a you know, fucking from, idiot. Like, but a good point is, like, because they, they try to go the environmental route, too, of, like, oh. Patrick Wilson's doing this because they pollute. Right, because humans throw trash in. And okay, so they did that for ecosystem. so they did that for two seconds and had him wipe up like all the garbage onto the world, and you know, and also destroy some battleships in the in the process. Yeah, why wasn't he showing up on the surface like the next day? Hey, that was us down here. That took nothing to do that. Uh, you want to keep fucking up? Uh, I got a whole army down here with great technology, and we'll just wipe you out. Yeah, you know, yeah, there was so, no threats to like the humanity. They didn't even realize yeah, that, like, that there was like this war impending between Atlantis. I mean, and if anything, if humans. we learned anything from Batman v Superman and Justice League, they would all be sitting there like Superman God. Yeah. Did Superman cause this? Where's Superman? So that's why I said that because, like, again, it's like nobody, you know. Yeah. There's, like, no thought, like, put into that. So it's, like... Yeah, the, the whole aspect mm. of, uh, you know, humans causing trash and really, like, being the start of this war, you know, being the uh, the one reason why they want to start this war. I didn't see any... Like so... I didn't see any trash in Atlantis. It looked, you know, pretty well kept, It's you know? all, like, really glossed over. It's, like, that was... There was no real motive... Other than that, there's no real motivation for... Worm to be so upset with humanity because well, he wants to be the ocean master. Yeah, exactly. Except for that. Which yeah. by which by the way, like he's like, if I unite all the kingdoms, I become I become ocean master. And once he becomes ocean master, he's unstoppable. Why? He hasn't had that trident that has all magical yeah, power. Appa- apparently, he's not that unstoppable. Pe- that that Peter Dinklage didn't. You know, he's unstoppable except for the person who wields the special. Didn't trident. you like how Dolph Lundgren flop? You know, flip flopped like. Just like he's like, you know what? I, I agree a, with him. I'm a pe- you know, I'm a peacekeeper, and we shouldn't be doing this, Orm. This is, you know, no one will stand for you, Orm. And then he's like, actually, fuck humans, you know. Then at the end, he's like, yeah, go, go, Arthur, yeah. go, because you're fucking my daughter now. And yeah, like, instead of like, you know, having him arrested too for also being part, you know, being the start of the. At the Orm's Revolution, they're just like, ha Dolph Lundgren has a red beard. <laughs> if your daughter was Amber Heard, you'd agree with her too. 
Well, he didn't, though, at first. Not at first, but then at the end, he's like, yeah, I agree. I guess I agree with her. <laughs> I honestly did not recognize Dolph Lundgren with his, like, super pink flowing hair. That mm. was, like, to me, the, I went the entire film like, who is this guy? And then at the end, there's the credit, Dolph Lundgren. And I was like, that was Dolph Lundgren. Okay. Yeah, Kindergarten but, cop, too. But I absolutely did not recognize him at first. Uh, just, you know, the whole pink hair threw me off, I guess, but... Yeah, like, that whole setup was just, like... Yeah, that's a big problem with, like, Orm's motivation, is that there really isn't. Besides, like, He's you know, just... blonde-haired, blue-eyed Nazi guy. Again, and it's, like, the same thing, like, most very generic supervillains have. is like, I want to rule the world. And it's like, but why? <laughs> but why? Do you really want that <laughs> yeah. responsibility? What, what, you know, but, but when you get down to it, like, like why? Why would you want to do you do really want to be the ruler of the kingdom of the trench with those sea monsters? Guys, guys, stop doing, you know, the whole... (laughs) Can you please, you know, like... Be civilized, you know. Which, by the way, that was... when they get a good scene. Not the fight on the boat, but when they used the flares and they went underneath and you had to see because how the flares scared off and they were kind of surrounded. That was really cool. Agreed, that was probably one of the better scenes with the CGI that you're just like, wow, they're, you know, how are they going to get out of this? With, like, just hundreds and hundreds of different trench monsters. And that was another reason why I was like... I wish they hadn't used that because I do know I haven't read much Aquaman, but I did read one arc and one arc is specifically about those trench monsters. So I was like, I really kind of wish they didn't use that. Like it was sort of unnecessary to even use that. Cause they could have used that as an entire part of a they, film. They could have put the trident somewhere else. It didn't have to be like through, through the trench kingdom to get then, to the center of the, I mean, though it does make sense because apparently Atlantis Trident is an Earth's core, which is a fucking Jurassic Park. Yeah, I thought I saw Jeff Goldblum walk walking around going, "Oh, uh, man has a way of uh, you know, nature and things doing stuff." And Grandmaster, you know, I do like how a meteor wiped out most of the dinosaurs, but some of them were like, "We'll just go to the center of the Earth." Yeah, somehow, fine. yeah, somehow. <laughs> Apparently, Atlan had, like, you know, was able to, like, quick, my children, you know. Yeah, Noah's Ark it. <laughs> yeah. by, by, by the way, how'd you like Nicole Kidman being down there? Like, that's not an Ant-Man ripoff of Ant-Man going into the fucking quantum right, realm yeah, and, and finding uh, Michael Douglas's, you know, long-lost wife that got... Well, it's kind of a bitchy thing to do is, like, you can make it down to the center of the Earth, you can leave... But you've never done it. You've never like said to your your husband and their, your 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 son. You're like, I'm gonna go to the center of the earth and I'm gonna try to like get this trident back. You never, I don't, I don't never think, bothered I don't, to tell. I anybody. don't think she did. The way it was framed was she didn't want to be married to Orm's father. That's why she ran away to begin yeah. with, and then slept with Django. And um, then when they came and attacked she, in the open narration. To- Come back, get fucked, have Patrick Wilson, and then she's like, I can't take this anymore, and they're going to kill me. So she ran off and somehow ended up in the center of the earth, and she's like, yeah, that whirlpool sends you down here, but without the power of something like Atlantis Trident, which just happens to be down here, you, you, you can't get out. I and guess, she's yeah. just been... <clears throat> I, I think it would have been better if they just had her be like the sacrificial mother character, and she's just gone. There's yeah. no, like, you know, there's no point, you know. Are we going to get, you know, Days of Our Bruins, you know, coming up with, you know, we're going to the Piggly, piggly Wiggly, you know, I'm gonna, you know, pick up some gants. Come on. Yeah. Bruins on at night. Let's go. Doc Emmerich's calling the game. Nicole Kidman looks a lot like Amy Adams in this film. Uh, I think because of her, like, the way they It was also making me think of, like, uh, Ro- like Robin Wright in Justice League. Mm. 
Yeah, but yeah, they went the whole I mean, like her whole look does look like you know from Ant Man too. Like like yeah, just have you know she's the fish version, you know. Yeah, and like the the problem with having her look like Amy Adams is that Amy Adams is already in a DC film. <laughs> she's already Lois Lane, so um, that's an issue when they you know they look similar. It's kind of funny, but uh, uh, I don't know. Like that kind of that whole part. Like like I said, like it's. It's something that's, like, potential, and then it's, like, you, you immediately snuffed it out. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm fine with, like, like I said, I'm fine with the whole idea of the film being just the quest to get Atlans, you know, Trident back because he's, Arthur cannot be Orm because he's, you know, he, he doesn't, doesn't have, have the power. He doesn't have the power and the knowledge to do it, and with, like, Willem Dafoe's tutelage. You know, I think it would have been fun, too, like, if it wasn't just... Him and Amber Heard going run globe trotting have Willem Dafoe there too, like like yeah, we just dive bombed out into the Sahara. Wow, you know, like have be like Harry Carey, like wow, wow, that's things staring on disapprovingly as yeah. as uh he's Arthur like, and Mara make out. Well, he, that and Willem Dafoe's probably yeah, he's disapproving because he's like, I remember her when she was a young girl, and I was like, she's gonna be Amber Heard, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but you know just. And so, like, when you then run into his mom, like, you know, that's another thing, too, that these DC movie loves, you know, just the, these people who can't get over their moms. Yeah. You didn't I know her name was Martha for a long time. I know. Like you, it's like, you didn't know your mom. Get over it. Yeah, he didn't. He wouldn't have known her, like, at all. Yeah. <laughs> like, and Patrick Wilson, for sure, can't get over it. Like, that's part of his main motivation, is that he can't get over his mother. For being a, you know, traitor. And yeah. A, who but so I mean what do you think too about the whole Kraken like protect- Kraken being like a you know protector yeah, of defender yeah, and uh, it's hilarious it's whole no it's hilarious the whole idea that Arthur is like the Kraken's like you are not worthy to hold the trident it's like yeah I know but um there's not much I can do right now and I just have to believe that I can do it and you'll help me and she's like you're the first person that tried to talk to me. Yeah. Yeah. That, sure, try. Yeah, Go the like, giant, like, eel thing that he has to fight. Yeah, yeah that, that was actually really um, anticlimactic. It's, it's like, just... oh, there's a giant eel. This is going to be great. He's going to battle her. And, it's, you know, it's like Dungeons and Dragons down there. You know, a giant eel protecting a <laughs> trident. Uh, yeah, a trident. And then, yeah, no. She's it's just, like, it was, that, that was just hilarious to me. Like, the fact that she's like, no one's talked to me yeah. since Atlan. Like, sure, uh, give it a try, but you're not worthy. And then he I'll leave. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> so stupid. I will say that I think I, I'll I'll say it again. I think Aquaman is probably the second best DC film. Still not. And again. I I did I will say that I did enjoy myself. It wasn't like because of how quickly it moves through its different phases. I did enjoy myself in a way that I didn't in. Like Batman v Superman or Justice League or even Black Panther. Because Black Panther was way too slow for me um, in terms of like what it offered. You know, it was so, uh, socially important. Sure. Um, something that I really like wanted to see again. No, not really. Um, it's just not entertaining to me. And at least Aquaman did have that entertaining aspect of just like more shit. <laughs> you know, basically that's like what you feel like uh, throughout the film. So at least in that sense, it was fun. I do think James Wan is a good director um here this is less like directing and more like uh artistically you know 
putting different CGI effects together. So the best effects were the end credits. Yeah, I mean, you do. I mean, James Wan, I think, does a good job directing, and the pacing is pretty well done. Um, but there is that you're suffering from the same issues that almost every single DC film has suffered from, and that they're not connected. Uh, this one takes place after Justice League, so they're like the the stakes are a little less, <clears throat> and and also it just doesn't really make sense in some aspects. Like you know, we have Aquaman killing a lot of people, or at least what would appear to be killing a lot of people, and like it I just said, doesn't Frank, really it's fit. Got that with, nice, it's got that nice Frank Miller touch. Of, yeah, you know. and it just doesn't really fit with like what we've seen of Justice League previously, and so. There are some issues with the continuity of these films that just don't really add like up. I said, like I said, though, it's the Frank Miller, Zack Snyder, like, Batman uses good. So, like like I said, when they do Flashpoint, one of the big things about Flashpoint is like, oh, that's not Bruce Wayne. That's Thomas Wayne. Thomas Wayne. Yeah. And he uses guns and he kills his, you know, criminals. So how the hell, when they do Flashpoint, like, Thomas Wayne's gonna be, like, actually more like the real Bruce Wayne and not use guns and don't kill criminals? Yeah. Because Ben, Ben Affleck's, like, just running around, neck snap, gun, (laughs) break your neck, you know, German suplex through cement, you're dead, fuck you, you're dead. Aquaman's running around with guys on top of his shoulders, giving them, like, the Lex Express treatment of, like, torture rack into the top of a sub, you know, door, and he's like, you're dead. Throwing, like, a yeah. shield through him, or whatever, like, a metal piece yeah. into them. Yeah, I mean, Aquaman, I would say, kills a lot of people in this film. And he left a lot of left a lot of those pirates on that sol- uh, that submarine that, you know, went under. Right, and, and it just seems like it's a little off from what Justice League sets up. And so, I think... The only, the only one that's not blood-hungry uh, blood out of the Justice League so far is, like, fucking the Flash and Wonder Woman. Yeah. Because Wonder Woman's like, at least with her film, she's like, no, I, we, we don't do that. You know? Yeah. We don't do that. And I, you know, and the Flash is a kid, so he's not going to kill people. But j- Cyborg, from the little glimpse he got from Justice League, he's like, I fucking hate everybody. <laughs> you know, so like... He's, super- yeah, he's angsty Cyborg. Yeah. I, I do think, like, that's uh, what you had said before, the biggest issue, especially coming off of Justice League, continuity. It's just not... It's lacking in Aquaman. So I would probably give um, Aquaman... Out of... Out of, um... Ten. Ten. Mm, ten Roy Arbison songs. <laughs> uh, I was going to go with the great one-liner. I need water. <laughs> Could have just peed on it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you know when he, he said that line, Jason Moore was probably like, yeah, I'm funny. Yeah. <laughs> just like... <laughs> like you know, out of uh, ten... Roy Orbison songs, I would give Aquaman a uh, seven. I'd give it a seven. Generous. I don't know. I just, like, like I, just, I explained why I would, but I, I did find it entertaining. I did think that it was probably one of the best films of the DC series so far. I think we're moving in a better direction, and we just need to get to that point where DC understands, like, we got to work towards something. You know, we we need to like we. It's not enough to just have a standalone film at this point. Uh, we need to work towards an overarching arc, s- arc to this this uh, DC franchise instead of just you know saying, "All right, well, Aquaman's doing his thing, Batman's doing his thing, Superman's like I'm watching everybody, but I don't really care if they like succeed or fail. I'm doing my thing." So that's the biggest issue I have. What about you? Well, when I originally left the theater, I'd probably say a four. 
But I think that's why I gave like Justice League. And I think I gave I'm pretty sure I gave Batman v Superman a three. I'll give this a five. And it's a very soft five. Um it's definitely more entertaining than Justice League and Batman v Superman. Absolutely. However, it's the fact that it's two and a half hours long is unnecessary and like makes me angry. Before I even saw the film, I told you, like, I don't want to even review. I don't because I don't want to sit down and watch a fucking film that's two and a half hours long that I know doesn't need to be two and a half hours long. Like nobody told Warner Brothers, like, hey. You shoot everything in digital now. It's not like you're wasting film. Like, it's part of your cost. It's all it's all digital. Mm-hmm. Some, you know, grad students got to sit there and sift through it all and sort it for you into different folders. Don't worry about it. Just, yeah. you can cut it. Don't, it's fine. You know, um, outside of Willem Dafoe, everybody in this film is a fucking charisma vacuum. Even Amber Heard. Like, I, I like, watching her in this film... Made me think of like the whole bit in that '70s show when um, Hyde and Eric are t- you know when uh, they're talking to each other about you know Jackie about Mila Kunis and like you know Eric's like you know Topher Grace like oh she Jackie no she's oh how can you why she, like how can you think about her and he's like in Danny Masters like well no think about her and that, like on an island in like a nice grass skirt bikini and she's in a grass skirt bikini a nice coconut bra. On, but she's sitting there bitching the entire time. And you get to hear the audio. And Eric's like, yeah, that's fucking terrible. He's like, Danny Masterson goes, now do what I do. And he just tunes her out. And she sit there, like, looking at her. And just, like, the same thing. But the audio's muted. And Eric's like, Topher Grace, like, you're right. She is hot. <laughs> so, like, that's kind of like with Amber Heard in this movie. It's like, if you just, like, cut out, like, all her dialogue. It's like, yeah, you're nice eye candy. Yeah, you're great. That's awesome. But then when you, like, open up and have to listen to her, you're like, oh. She's not bitchy, but she's like your generic, you know, female. I inspire the male to get his heart on to win the day. Yeah, um, it's more of the writing of how they wrote Mara than no. Else. I no, I agree, and I'm not, but and I'm not blaming her for that. Like she does have some charismatic moments, like the whole, like the whole Sicily thing, as stupid as it is, but like her eating the roses, all right, that is kind of funny. Mm. Her jumping out of the fucking plane into the Sahara Desert and just then like crash landing and like ha. Ah! That that was kind of you know kind of funny, but it just there's not enough there to go anywhere. And I think the chemistry between uh, Jason Mimosa and her is very very yeah. Um, yeah very like the Sahara dry yeah. and bland and pedantic, and it's like not believable at all. Um, like I said, Willem Dafoe is really the only one that I find to be appealing in this film, and like, like I said, he's mailing it in. Um, Patrick Wilson is alright as, like, your generic, like, Bondian, I'm going to take over the world for the sake of fucking taking over the world. Um, at this point, six plus movies into this universe, uh, the fact that they have no idea on where they're going, and what they're doing, and how the stakes are constantly going to be raised and will const- through those stakes being raised and the interactions that each movie has. Like, so if you have a standalone movie like Ant-Man versus a wasp, which is its own little entity and its own little bubble. But at the end of the day, there's consequences that happen in that film that later build and influence infinity war. These films don't have any of those connections. So it's mm-hmm. like, what the fuck? Like, cause again, as I said to you, when we reviewed these films before, 
Marvel's is watching a film at this point. It's like a TV episode. It's a, it's a film serial. If you don't know the backstory of what's going on as a standalone, it's not gonna work as well because there it's everything is building to a certain point. Here, these films are kind of more standalone, but the fact that it's supposed to be building to a fucking point and they're not, and they're not really building character arcs, like what would be wrong throughout this film, like having like a little brief like like seeing a little brief like what's going on with Batman, like what's you know going on, or or at the end credits, like What's Darkseid doing? What you know? And again, this is me all just being predicting on what I think they should be doing, because it's like the most logical thing, like building to Darkseid. So, it, like the fact that they're not even doing that, and then like tying to their future films with Cyborg, like wouldn't you want to have like an end credits in one of these films to lead to like what's going on with Cyborg? Because at this point, after we what we saw in Justice League, do you really need to see a standalone origin story about Cyborg? No. We basically saw that in Justice League. So it's like, okay. And again, as I said, it's not like Cyborg's got a fucking murderer's row of, you know, a rogues gallery. In fact, he's mainly known for being part of the Teen Titans. So what do you do? Give us some insight. Show us where you're going. Because right now, it's this is a ship without a captain. It's just lost at sea, and they're, it's totally rudderless. It's just going back and forth, back and forth. As a fil- If this film was on its own, I'd still say it's mediocre. It's too long. Characters are uninteresting. The plot is dull as bullshit. The whole Black Manta part's a total waste. The score's atrocious. <laughs> and I feel bad for James Wan being suckered into this. Tell him to go back to The Conjuring. Just do another Conjuring. I mean, I like those movies, so... Yeah, I'm sure. I think he's probably working on one. Or uh, do Saw. Hopefully do not... J- do Jigsaw yeah, 2. Hopefully not diluting you know, the... Come back. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, it's just... Like I said, it's like it's getting frustrating. And, t- re- like, about to the point where I'm like... after Once we finally get to the next Justice League, probably like, I'm fucking done. Because at this point, like, if you don't know what the... If they don't have a map, you might... Like I said, you might as well just do... In, just make the movie, next movie, Infinite Crisis. Do three hours of bullshit. Like, we're rebooting the universe. And start from scratch. Yeah. Because, like I said, the fact that at this point you haven't done a fucking Batman film, though, they would probably argue, like, oh, we do. It's Batman e Superman. You know. Something that should have been later down the line. Did Marvel start off with Civil War? No. They built up Batman's, you know, I mean, in uh, yeah. Captain America and Iron Man's relationship. So wouldn't you, you know, especially seeing as Batman v Superman is based off Frank Miller's, you know, comics. Wouldn't you want to build up Bruce and Kal-El's, you know, relationship instead of going the whole, he's an alien, he's like a god, we're going for the god metaphor, and, you know, and I'm Bruce and I don't like this stuff, Bleh. Yeah. So. All right. Um, what are we doing next time? What are we doing next time? I have a brain aneurysm. I don't know what we're doing next time. Um, do you want to do horror? Do you want to do we? We really open now because we we don't have any like uh, holidays coming. All right. Up, so. Well, I will. You got one? Not a movie, but a genre. Okay. So we'll do spaghetti western. Spaghetti western. Haven't right. done one in a while. Yep. So. Um, not sure exactly which one we want to do. I do have Get Mean that I haven't checked out yet. 
Um, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. But expect a spaghetti western is what we we're saying. We haven't done one in a long time. And we got to yeah. get back to the roots. That's right. So that'll be in two weeks. Uh, we'll be back with a spaghetti western. Thank you for listening to this and episode. And then before you know it, we'll do My Bloody Valentine yeah. 4. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, back to the My Bloody Valentine. You know what, though? There is a Valentine movie coming out. Screen Factory's got Valent- literally the movie, the slasher movie, Valentine, which was in right in the Scream 90s uh, playbook coming out this February. So that one would, could be one that we do for February. Good. Because I've never fucking heard David, of it. David Borinez from... Buffy the Vampire Slayer slash Angel. You know, on, fa- that. on Facebook, they have uh, like all the Buffy episodes on like Facebook video. Oh, yeah? Uh, just like scrolling yeah. through, you know, like how you scroll through videos and this has like random shit that you might yeah. be interested in. One of the ones that I was like scrolling through, apparently Facebook thinks I'm really into Big Bang Theory I'm, <laughs> and I'm not. And one, when I scroll through one, it says like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. It's literally the first full episode and like the people are like, all the episodes are posted on Facebook. Go ahead and watch them. Yeah. And I was like, Wow! So we're doing Valentine for Valentine's Day. Well, that that cemented. <laughs> we're in. If you don't forget. That's right. All right, so thanks for listening. We are on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, any other podcasting app that you use. Uh, subscribe to us. Leave us a nice review. We appreciate that. Uh, we're on Twitter, at Blood and Black Rum. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash Blood and Black Rum Podcast. We have an email address at Blood and Black Rum Podcast at gmail.com. And you can also uh, subscribe to us on our patron page and donate to the show. That's what we were talking about earlier in the show. A uh, dollar will get you an episode uh, each, every two weeks, when, at least one day early, uh, sometimes more. Um, and if you donate, we really appreciate it. It just helps keep our uh, costs down for running the podcast because we do have like podcasting fees and stuff like that that we pay for uh, to keep the show on the air. So anything that you can donate is appreciated. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks with a spaghetti Western. So uh, make sure you get your marinara sauce out. Take care.